Welcome to the Launch Your Live podcast, a show dedicated to providing you with daily, top-level, live video tips, tricks, and strategies to not only help you start, but also excel at live streaming. Are you looking to get into live stream production? Maybe you want to hire someone to produce your live streams for you. On this episode, we're going to be sitting down with Anka Triffin, a live stream producer, to discuss what you need to do to produce high quality live streams. Hey everyone, I'm Christian Karasevich and I'm joined by my co-host Mel. And we're going to be chatting with Anka today about producing high quality streams, but we're going to be talking about it from the, um, from the angle of her. she's a live stream producer. So this is something that I think is a really great conversation. Uh, so Mel, uh, do you want to go ahead and uh, maybe introduce our guest or where do you want to kick things off at? On yeah, this let's just get going. Let's bring Anka on. Let's let her uh, kick things off and tell us a little bit about herself and let's get in. Cause I know this is a juicy topic. Like this is, in fact, we were talking before the show, like, Hey, this may be a longer episode because there's just so much to talk about. I do think that live streaming production is becoming something that more people are hearing about, more people are interested in because the way that the software applications have come along that help us provide or create amazing live streams have actually also given us the opportunity to incorporate a producer. So I think it's becoming a very more, uh, just a more popular topic that people are interested in learning about. And so I'm excited to get Anka going. So let's let's bring her on and let's just get this thing started. Fantastic. So Anka, thanks a lot for joining us for essentially what is episode 82 of the Launch Your Live podcast in live stream. Well, thank you so much for having me. Hi there, Christian and Melanie. It's so fun to be here with you. And I follow you guys and I watch your show um, every so often. So it's good to actually be, you know, here and uh, let's talk about, you know, event productions and live streaming. Definitely. So I got to say, every time that we start every episode, when we have someone on, we interview them, we always like to start with a question. And that is, you know, not just tell people, okay, so who is Anka, but um, how did you get into live stream production as well? So who is Anka? What do you do? Uh, how did you get into live stream production? Okay, I'll try to make this short, although I'm not known for doing <laughs> Oh my gosh. So um, I'm a certified meeting professional uh event producer. I like to call myself really a technical event producer. It's a term that it's now coming up more often than before, which is fantastic because I've been using it for about eight years and everybody was like, what does that mean? Right. <laughs> I am also the founder and creator um, and the CEO of three fun events, which is a boutique event planning and production agency that is offering, you know, event planning, experience design, production management for live virtual and hybrid events. Also the host of events demystified where I get to interview so many fun people from the industry and just talk exactly what we're talking about right now, you know, event productions and live streaming and how does this look like? like now and how is it going to look in the future and I started with a lot of audiovisual uh, production tips uh, in the beginning but then hello COVID changed my <laughs> my run of show and the topic of discussion and now I'm all about you know virtual events and live streaming and hybrid events really where my career started in production it's funny because um, sometimes I think that I've, I'm one of those you know uh, people that have had a really good high school and college only because I started in radio back then, and that's where the whole thing started. I um, I was working on a show um, at a radio station, the only radio station in my town where I grew up, really. But it was super fun because it had a really uh, large reach. And what I realized back then is that I was so much more interested, not just being behind the mic, which was fun, right? But it was like in this audio mixer, which is like a Mackie 1404 something. And I was just like tweaking it all the time and like changing things. And um, so that kind of put me on this path when I left my home country 
uh, after college and I moved to US to be interested in pursuing uh, sound engineering and pursuing event productions because I knew at the time, well, I have an accent. I'm not going to go back to radio. Uh, sure enough, years later, I started a podcast, right? Because at this point, I'm like, I don't care, <laughs> whatever. Because, <laughs> you know, it's like what you think in your 20s is not the same as you think in your 30s anymore. So anyway, um, that's that set me um, onto this path of really um, learning everything I could from the ground up. I mean, I started pulling cables. That was like my job in a, a shop for an AV production back in L.A. And uh, all the way to mixing shows front of house for a bunch of cool uh, people and uh quite a few big names. And um, that's basically been my life, you know, for many years um, until COVID. Um, I used to uh, do a lot of uh, live events, a lot of corporate, a lot of nonprofit events as well, fundraisers, galas and um, such. And I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity to have this experience before COVID because when that happened, you know, back in, um, I don't know, February, March of 2020, um, it wasn't one of those like shocking moments like a lot of us in the event industry really had where, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? There's not going to be any more events. For me, it was just a transition. I'm like, okay, well, there's no events in person, but guess what? Uh, we're going to do virtual streaming events because it's not something new. Like I stream my wedding 15 years ago. It's like, okay, well, I'm just going to do something that uh, I've done for years, even though we never called it a virtual event, you know, or um, any of that sort. So I guess having the the background of a event planner, event producer, uh, front of house engineer and uh, technical director, um, moving into more of a video director, which again, I would have never picked for myself if this was, you know, hey, what do you want to do in your life? Would we'll be like, I want to make some forever. And then I end up doing a lot of video editing and uh, video stuff in 2020 and now 2021. And I'm like, oh, thanks, COVID, you know, for the opportunity of learning something new and and for the headache of learning something new. So um, that's a little bit on, on me as far as uh, my background. I still do uh, and plan a lot of virtual events, hybrid, uh, uh, quite a few this year, although it sounds like we're going back to virtual for the fall. I don't know. Nobody knows at this point. And I also like to keep myself from not rusting by still, you know, mixing uh, live sound monthly, weekly, whenever the opportunity arises, because honestly, there's nothing like that energy when you're in person you're behind a mixing board and you absorb not just the energy of the band that you're mixing, but also the crowd. And that is like a little bit of a high that once you have it, you cannot go without. So, um, yeah, aside from all of that, you know, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, uh, I have two children. I work from home a lot of days. Um, I'm also a big advocate of women in the production and technology world. And I like to call myself an optimist and uh, a really strong believer in the goodness of people is really what um, and, and collaboration and communication really what set me with starting the podcast in the first place because I was like well you know there's a lot of cool people out there but you never hear of them until you give them a platform so I wanted to give people a platform and uh, obviously it's been easier now that we have all these amazing tools uh, to uh, to do that so I'm grateful whenever I get a chance to share what I know but even more so when I get to highlight other people that have way more knowledge than I, and they get to, you know, say their, um, their take on, um, on their experience, expertise, whatever it is that they bring to the table. So, yeah, I, I sort of like touch on your question, right? I mean, <laughs> did not stray too far, hopefully. <laughs> no, you're, you have an amazing background. I love, I love how you talked about how it kind of all kind of, kind of came together. You know, you're different. You have a, a varied background, but I loved what you said about, you know, you live streamed your wedding 15 years ago and, mm -hmm. you know, you were doing this type of virtual event thing before yeah. we were calling it virtual events, if you will. So it just sounds to me like one of those serendipitous things where, Hey, when COVID did happen, the pandemic did happen and things started to go virtual, you were basically ready to, to step into this honestly, up and coming style of role of live stream yeah. producer. So I think it's great. I love that you shared all that because it really does 
it really is interesting. I always like to hear the stories behind how people get mm-hmm. into live streaming. And that's exactly what, why Christian loves starting off with that, with that question, but mm-hmm. let's, let's keep moving. So let's, what I want you to do Anka is because a lot of people might not real they may not really know what we're talking about when we say live yeah. stream producer. So can you just define, let people understand like, what is a live stream producer? Like define it for us, let our audience understand what okay. we're talking about here. Um, so that, you know, like what, what that role is. Absolutely. And just to define also this term that probably I'm going to be using more often than not, um, when you, you know, hear me say virtual event, um, I'm really thinking of it more of a live streaming um, uh, of some sort that has a bunch of technical elements and cues attached to it. And um, because I look at the live stream as the conduit to which you deliver your virtual event with all the additional, you know, bells and whistles that technically should set it apart from other live streams. Now, coming to um, to the question that you asked, and that's a fantastic question. And honestly, I'm pretty sure my answer might be different than a bunch of other answers out there. So I'm just going to give you my version of what I think that a virtual event producer is. Basically, you know, the person behind the scenes that works with you and uh, with a team or without a team, with the, help, with the help of a team or without the help of a team, right? It could be a solo event producer or, uh, or it could be a whole team of people that support that virtual event producer to run the majority of technical decisions and aspects of your virtual event. And this person is the primarily the technical contact for the client, for the team, for whomever you're working with during the virtual engagement process, as well as the liaison between you and maybe the production team, the production house that's working on this event, because we can take like a small one person live stream, right? Or that's like basically would be my podcast. Like I run that, I do that. It's like I produce it, I host it, I do everything. But there's events that are live streams of the nature that you need an entire team of people to support that event because there's so many elements and the event objective, you know, needs that kind of support to make it come to life. And as a virtual event producer, you are technically, you know, uh, focusing on the technical aspects of the run of show, of the script. And we'll also, you will fill in many times more often than not as this um, person that will provide the understanding to the client of what are the technical requirements that create this event that need to be uh, implemented in order to produce this event. And, um, whether you've chosen to maybe pre-record your sessions or present them live. A virtual event producer is the person that should be able to walk you through all the scenarios that can occur when hosting a virtual event and help your MCs, your hosts, your speakers, moderators, I mean, everyone that's part of that event so that you can produce this high quality presentation. So what does a virtual event producer? A lot of things. What do they do? A lot of things. You know, they um, project manage every technical aspect of this virtual event live stream. They will help with the development of an effective, you know, production plan and create some sort of a event strategy and design an event strategy that helps this event come to life. They will also help and maintain event budgets. Maybe not every virtual event producer does that, but in my, um, in my role, I do that a lot. You know, I work with the client on the budget and making sure that it fits their event. Um, they also will provide, you know, hopefully an honest and unbiased firsthand description and recommendation of some of the event platforms and benefits that are associated with that platform or um, anything that might be right, the right fit for that event. And they also coordinate, you know, pre-production logistics that have to do with maybe Maybe the choosing of the right production house to implement, like especially now that we're moving into hybrid events. You know, I work a lot, not just with the client for the virtual aspect of the event, but also with the production house on the hybrid in-person side of the event to make sure that we have a plan. We uh, there's a flow to everything we're doing and we're all on the same page. And um, also do a lot of training and on-screen talent um, support for, you know, whomever is going to be uh, there for uh, for the event. So they're ready for the, par- uh, for the prime time. And uh, you might even 
end up overseeing the event team, the graphics, everything that goes, you know, with the event itself to create, you know, the orders, the title slides, the uh, whatever transitional elements that make that um, event, uh, virtual event, live stream stand out. And uh, you will build a production timeline. You know, I build run of shows and production timelines and text scripts a whole lot. So there's a lot of work involved. I mean, just talking about it, I feel like I'm getting tired, but really <laughs> there's a lot of work involved in, in doing an event, right. And some, some of those roles, you know, might be, um, something that you delegate within your team, or it might be that you take a lot of that onto your, uh, onto yourself. And, uh, when, you know, and I have a discussion with a client and they, they're there to hire me for the event for the day. I'm not thinking about the one hour that I'm going to be streaming that event. I'm thinking about all the pre-production planning that goes into that event leading to when you're ready to go and press live, right? So there's a lot of work that goes and that's where like sometimes it gets confusing with people when they're like, well, I only charge, I charge this much. And I'm like, for the day of, like, wait a second, did you forget about all the work that you have to do leading to that event? <laughs> Who's gonna do that work, you know? I mean, <laughs> sure, I'm I'm here to support the nonprofit sector, but I also have to pay some bills to, you know, <laughs> to be able to support uh, this operation over here, so. Yeah. And you does know, that give you a good uh, definition of what we're talking about here, Melanie? Yeah, it, it definitely does. <laughs> and I think that, it, I mean, basic, based on what you, I loved that you went into that level because I do think that, as I mentioned earlier, with the way that, you know, applications are becoming available to us to create these virtual events, but also just create live videos, the whole term of producer or backstage support, these types of things are becoming more and more common, more, more talked about. But I loved that you, you went to, you described it the way you did, because I mean, a, to me, a live stream producer can be someone who is literally backstage in a browser-based software supporting you, bringing mm -hmm. up your overlays and so that you can focus on the content and then, you know, even them displaying comments or whatnot, yeah. you know, or even messaging you privately to let you know, hey, you're 12 minutes in, you need to go, exactly you know, whatever. But what you described is this whole other I mean, it's, it's like what I just described is like level one. What you just described is like level 10. Mm -hmm. It's like full blown event. And there is a lot, yeah. there's a lot of things to consider. And I loved that you said like, there's different definitions. There's different exactly. types of live stream producers. So exactly. And your yeah. definition will be based on the type of events you do, but um, knowing the different, I guess the spectrum, mm -hmm. it helps you maybe if you're just doing this type of event to think of like, okay, what is my bandwidth for like reaching this level so I can do this other type of event? Maybe I need more support. Maybe I need more time. Maybe I need more knowledge. Maybe I need more expertise. Who knows? Like just going from here to here, you know, there's a little bit of a journey, but it's achievable if you really want to get here. Uh, there's so many uh, ways in which you can, and it's up to you if you want to take that road, right? Mm -hmm. So I was going to ask you, you know, if somebody wants to get into producing live streams, uh, how do they get started doing that? But I also want to make sure that I also kind of address, like you talked about all these different roles that are available as a producer. And so mm -hmm. I love the fact that, you know, it's not just like it's I mean, I can tell it's just not this cookie cutter type model where, OK, I'm going to be a producer and I'm going to do just X. You know, I think it depends on the complexity of the production and it also depends on what types of productions you want to actually work in, because, you know, it can get like if you're just doing, for example, production. If I had a producer here, for example, there's not a whole lot they would have to do in this case, but I right. want to make it this like huge production of, for example, just an online live stream, there are a lot of individual tasks that can kind yeah. of be assigned to those people. And then if you want to take it a step further, you mentioned you know, almost like the third tier, which is the hybrid event side, which is doing the live stream aspect, but then also remembering, you know, hey, there is also the in-person aspect. And then that introduces additional complexities because yep. you may have to work with a, you know, you may have to work with another contracted team that you have never worked with, yep. for example. So um, in terms of, you know, if somebody wants to get into like doing this. So you mentioned you kind of started, you know, mixing. I, I think you started like running cables and things like that. Right. Yeah. So um, if somebody wants to get into this, like, what do you yeah. recommend? How do they get started? Like, what's is there a, a good entry point? Absolutely. And Christian, I mean, this is a fantastic question because anyone with an internet connection and a laptop mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, a cloud-based software, software like StreamYard, 
they can get into live streaming with as little as you can imagine. Right. Um, I first went with, um, I think it was OBS at the time, uh, cause I wasn't uh, aware of StreamYard and I went live. Then I was like, Oh, here's zoom. So easy. Let's try zoom. And then I went to YouTube live and I was like, ah, I don't have all the options there. I'm going to try something else. And then I came across a StreamYard and then I used StreamYard as an avenue to do a lot of streaming within platforms. So this is not just, you know, taking StreamYard um, as a, um, as a software to stream to YouTube or Vimeo or whatever Facebook live you're streaming to, it's, it gets a little more complicated and more complex the moment you stream into other platforms and event um, softwares. But uh, to start, like start with a good internet connection and maybe a good laptop that's, you know, maybe not as old as like two years. <laughs> I feel like after two years, most laptops, computers, whatever, they start like crapping out. Uh, like start with something decent, right? And then um, if you, you can even start with like StreamYard Basic. Um, the Their basic plan is a four, so Super affordable. I think it's free. I don't even know if it's free or not. I don't know. I haven't been on that in a while. But um, it's super easy. Just get yourself up there. And um, and honestly, if you are serious about it, the next natural progression is to you know learn more and then invest into more uh, equipment, maybe more gear, and probably even learn a few other softwares. You know, like Vimex, and just start. You know. Um, playing with the stuff and the toys and see what you can come up with. Because I feel the only stopper to this is your willingness to learn and your creative, creative uh, acumen. How much do you want to invest in this and how creative you are to make it the best thing they can be for you. So going back to your question, anyone can, can start, you know, uh, to start producing live shows. Again, the simplest producing of a live show that I do of a live stream is my podcast. It's the same way what you guys are doing. That's the simplest level of producing because, um, I do it all by myself and it doesn't require a, a bunch of extra support. I get everything lined up for me, like the same way you guys have and with the lower thirds and the overlays and any intros, anything that you need to make that event happen. And, uh, and that's a live stream. Fantastic. Yeah. And so I kind of have a, a bit of a follow-up question to that. So, um, we have a couple of people here. I see in the comments as well. Um, for example, we have uh, Dimebag Darren Lowe here. He was asking, uh, let me actually see if I could find this question, by the way. He had quite a few, well, he's, he's put quite a few questions in. These are good questions, by the way, if you're watching us live. Um, so he was talking about, uh, he liked to find, uh, a place in live stream production. He's found formal broadcasting background. He's got formal broadcasting background in radio. By the way, if you haven't heard Darren, he's got a great voice, by the way. Uh, but for example, like in his case, if he wanted to get into doing productions, how does he actually find that? Because for example, I know I can start by doing my own podcast and doing my own mm -hmm. live streams. How do I then take it a little step further out than that and say, you know what? I want to actually start producing for other people. Is there something, mm -hmm. is there a place I can go to, to find mm -hmm. those? Or is it a matter of kind of going back to what you said, somebody's kind of uh, drive, I guess you'd say, to go and find those opportunities? Mm -hmm. What do you advise there? That's a great question. And um, I know I have a close friend um, actually interviewing my podcast and we were mm -hmm. discussing this because for someone new that uh, into live streaming or maybe they do have a background in events, but, you know, they've done a lot of self promoting projects and uh, produce some shows for themselves, but didn't really quite get to the next step where you're actually, you know, getting some clients is um, the first um, the first step, I would say, uh, putting yourself out there, but also maybe going and uh, shadowing someone and say, hey, I'm here to learn. I'm here to intern, right? Like I'm not here to... Um to, you know, make a buck. I really try, I'm trying to learn as much as possible. And, um, can I shadow you for the day? Can I maybe help with your event? Can I, and then you start learning, but then the next step is networking. You're going to have to start to have conversations, whatever you are, you know, in person, online, where intentional conversations with people and, and, you know, one thing leads to another. And the next thing, you know, you know, there's going to be, I remember one of my biggest uh, clients came from, from um, LinkedIn um, because they watch the podcast and they're curious about, hey, can you produce our event? You know, uh, this sounds great. Like, I love your podcast. I love the things that you do. And a lot of the things uh, that I've done, which have nothing 
they were not necessarily like lead generators in a way, right? They became lead generators because it was the type of content that I would produce. So yes, it does go, you know, back to uh, the type of content you produce. And um, there was some research out there that um, I was reading how for a live streamer, uh, having a well-produced shows will most likely guarantee you a, a, a client, but having a less than ideal produced show will most likely take 25% of the prospective clients that you could have had, right? So uh, you have to be intentional about making the right connections, networking and and learning from people. I had to, uh, again, going back to that friend that I was um, mentioning in the beginning is she went and uh, did a lot of uh, pro bono uh, support for uh, other people, for other studios, like even going into a studio and learning. It's like, hey, I'm here to learn. I'm here to help. Give me anything to do. And then you learn on the job, right? Uh, opportunities like that are there. You just have to find them. Um, I know in my own uh, town here where we are in Boise, there's quite a few studios that are doing live streaming um, at um, at a good level of production. And nobody's going to say, hey, I don't need you. Like if you go there, honestly, it's saying, hey, I want to learn. I want to help. Give me something to do like anything, like I'll do anything just so that I can learn. Right. Um, and I remember like when I started back, um, in event productions, um, yeah, like wrapping cable was my job, organizing all the warehouse, the inventory, the, I did things that, uh, were not fun, uh, really. Cause my goal was like, I want to go and mix the fun shows. I want to go. No, you have to start somewhere where you're learning, up to that level. And it actually helped me so much because I learned so much in the process of organizing a warehouse, uh, being able to learn about each piece of gear that was there before I was ready to use that piece of gear in actual, uh, in an actual show. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's my best uh, tip, really. Nowadays, I know you're going to have to do a lot of reach out, you know, on social media because probably going in person might not be the right, um, you know, a uh, place. I don't know where you're at, you know, in this wide world. <laughs> and I don't know how flexible the rules are as far as social distancing goes. And now with the new variants, you know, of this um, COVID um, virus. But I hope that um, I hope that help, that answers your question and sets you on to, you know, uh, getting into the actual events that will um, will support and pay for your efforts. Yeah, I I loved I also loved I loved that. I also loved that you talked about how the differences or the benefits of a high quality live production or a high quality event can have. You know, the there's obviously the direct benefits of you just you you look better, you look more professional, you mm -hmm. look like you you know you're with it. You can potentially charge more for whatever it is you're putting your event on for, maybe get more customers from it. So, why don't you do me a favor and why don't you explain what, you know, and I know that this could literally be like its own episode. <laughs> so we, we could totally talk about this all day, probably, but give me, give some tips or some thoughts about what you view as a high quality live production, you know, so t help us understand what a high quality live stream looks like in your view. Um, you know, maybe break it down, uh, for our audience. Yeah. And again, fantastic question. And I feel like the only limitation to this um, is really the budget. Mm -hmm. Are you just, you know, maybe starting out uh, and um, only have so much that you can put out there, but you still care to produce a, a high quality live stream? And if that's you, then maybe start with a good broadband, um, a um, again, recently updated laptop, anything maybe older than two years old is too old, too slow, whatever. Uh, computer machines tend to do freak things once they start to get old, <laughs> like us people. Um, <laughs> the live streaming tools, I feel like right now, they're so easily accessible and there's so many options. You know, I mentioned OBS, StreamYard, Ecamm, um, Vmix. I mean, just to name a few out there, but uh, you can even rely on YouTube Studio, Restream and other, you know, proprietary platform studios that have this cloud-based broadcasting that you can start with. Um, if you're producing for the 
for others, most likely the most common broadcasting solution is going to be Vimex. And I say that a few times just because I know that has been the standard in the event industry to produce. And just because you have so many different options with that particular software, I don't necessarily love it 100% just because it's, you know, a Windows based, but there's a lot of other things that you can add to that. And I guess start where, uh, where you're at and then start adding support tools to help you, you know, hit your cues faster and make your life easier. And there's tools such as, you know, the stream deck, like I have a stream deck that I programmed just to do the things in my studio that I need, maybe a video switcher to have all your laptops and hyperdecks and uh, externals patched in, maybe uh, add a MIDI controller. Again, you add a little things, one thing at a time. Like if you're a, pod, a podcaster, you know, the roadcaster is a great <laughs> tool to add so you can have all your inputs and your levels and then you're like, you know, a little uh, uh, cues like... You know, I, I add sound effects to my podcast. Nice. <laughs> and then when nobody says anything, I go like. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, I don't use that a lot, but I should. Um, anyway, that's a mixer and a controller in one, you know, and um, it helps you to elevate the quality of your streams. And then if you're producing for yourself, right, then you, you got to have a good microphone and uh, some a uh, camera that is full HD or 4K, uh, it, it, those are a must. Like you have to start there. And then if you're adding uh, video switchers, you know, I know Christian loves his uh, ATEM Mini Pro and <laughs> just because it makes, you know, it the switching out. easy, right? <laughs> exactly. Especially if you have different cameras. Like right now I have a lot of equipment I'm not even using. I'm just using this one HD camera mm -hmm. that sometimes I feel like throwing it out the window, but I don't know why I still use it. Uh, but there's a lot of, you know, uh, things that you can add so that you have the ability to switch on the fly to add lower thirds transitions graphics and i know a lot of people talk about like well my cell phone is the back camera best camera um i've got and sure there's a lot of consumer grade cameras out there that may uh suffice for like twitch and youtube streamers but if you're gonna do like b2b type of live streams um, you certainly have to start investing a little bit more professional live streaming equipment to provide that top-notch user experience and um and then it goes back to sound uh, again, because one major reason for a, you know, a live stream to to not have that high quality is uh, a level of production is um, uh, sound and also not being able to record at the highest quality that you could do because um, once you have a poor recorded quality like I had an episode that I had a, such a, a podcast episode I had such a good um um, content, such a good featured guest. And then my sound was horrible. And I'm like, garbage in, garbage out. There's nothing I can do about it. Might as well swallow it and humbly accept that even you can mess up and have really bad sound. But right now I, I know that I need to put this episode out as it is and maybe pre provide a disclaimer later, you know? So it's like, you're going to, uh, even, even at the highest level, you're still going to, you know, hit some bumps around, uh, 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 you know, on the road and you have to be um, able to be teachable and learn from your mistakes and adjust and learn some more. But anyway, at a minimum, producing a high quality content and branding your live stream and using title slides and graphics for transitions will give you that uh, high quality stream that, you know, it's, um, it's what we're all after because we're no longer in the beginning of the pandemic when we all got out, you know, on Zoom and everybody looked the same. Like now there's a different expectation. There's a different experience that people are looking for. Um, there's a lot of options out there. You know, StreamYard and Canva could be your best friends and a good Internet connection to get you started. And uh, I, I am so grateful that we live, you know, in a day and age that it's so incredibly easy to produce high quality broadcast that you know not too long ago it would take an entire broadcasting trailer worth of gear and you know an army behind the scenes uh maybe living on energy drinks and sneakers to pull it up so but we're not there we're like so much farther away so take those tools at your hand and use them for your benefit I love I love what you said about start with what you have. I know Christian and I are both very passionate about that because so many people wait until they have mm -hmm. all the fancy stuff and they don't get started. But some of some of this is, you know, we've got, um, you know, Coffee Talk and Tech even talking about learning from the ground up. I mean, you talked about that, you know, you do have to experience some of this stuff 
to even get, because you can have all the fancy equipment you want. You know, you mentioned, you know, the A10 Mini, we talked about mixers and, you know, high-end cameras and all those things. Those are all needed things for a certain level of live stream production or virtual event, but you can have all that stuff and not know how to use them or Mm -hmm. how to deal with, you know, the quirks, you know, the thing you also talked about, something's going to go wrong. (laughs) It's not a matter of if it's a matter of when something's mm-hmm. not going to go the way you want and you get, those are also skills that you have to develop. Those are muscles you have to kind of work out yeah. and you can't work those out if you're not going live or using video or creating or practicing or trying new things. And so I loved what you said about all that stuff. And, you know, those features of, of the high quality streams are just, it's not just a person talking to the camera. It is using overlays and transitions yeah. and all those things, but you know, um, there's, but I want to go a little bit more into more detail on that because I know Christian wants to nerd out a little bit. So <laughs> I have to, I cannot <laughs> keep that away from him. Um, cause really that's the basic answer. The first level, right. It's like you start from where you're at and then you're going to add all these little things to make, uh, the next uh, level up of the production. But then really how can you achieve a high quality live stream? Really? Uh, again, going back to investing in high quality live streaming equipment, as I mentioned, earlier but then you also have to go into a little bit more deeper into like encoder settings and the moment i start talking about that people Mm -hmm. kind of tune out and they're like what does that mean oh my gosh you just scared me right it's like you know i mean what is a video encoder like what why do i need that is like how what where do i start with that but really Mm -hmm you will need to start learning a little bit about what are the, you know, recommended live encoder settings if you're going to produce a high quality stream, right? And you're going to have to learn about video codec, uh, codecs and mm-hmm. frame rates yeah. and keyframe intervals and, you know, uh, beat rates and audio co- codecs and all kinds of sample rates and things that you're like, oh, Lordy, have mercy because this is way too much. But I know that, you know, nowadays, again, there's so much information out there that you can learn. And there's always a sweet spot that will determine, you know, what is um, the size of the video that you're streaming based on the viewers, internet connection, that whatever they're withstanding. And you can adjust a lot of those settings that will relate to your video resolution, to the video bitrate and the audio bitrate to make sure that you produce a high quality um, event and a live stream. And then you also have to look at the, you know, the online video platforms that uh, that is going to um, help you maximize the video streaming that you're doing, the quality of this video stream. And mm-hmm. by selecting the right uh, OVP, OVP basically will stand for um, online video platform. And there's a lot of online video platforms out there that will uh, help that, you know, uh, again, we have one here, but also you have to look at what type of CDN, like the what is the content? What is that going to be uh, sent to? And what is the distribution network that you're using for that? And um, what are the type of uh, server support that they have? I mean, take Vimeo. Like I remember we, um, Vimeo, it's like a trusted source, like a trusted CDN. But um, I remember we are in the middle of a um, of a live stream for a an event that was streaming into a swap card or one of the event platforms that we were working with. And somewhere in the middle of nowhere, one of the Vimeo servers like caught on fire somehow, somewhere, and it just shut down. And I mean, this is Vimeo. Vimeo, you trust Vimeo because they mm-hmm. have hundreds and thousands of servers and uh, we were in the middle of the stream and like, what happened? Like getting to Vimeo support, that's a different story. But it's like, you know, if you if you're going to have problems with Vimeo, like you said, Melanie, you're going to have problems with a lot of other things. But then having the uh, backup plan, the contingency plan, like I go back to planning a lot because it's like, OK, we already talked about if something happens, what will we do in the case of like the the whole world catching on fire, right? Maybe a Vimeo mm-hmm. server catching on fire. Like, do you have that slide to put out? Do you have a little bit of a counter? Do you have a music? Do you have something to let your audience know, hey, um, we didn't go completely dark here. We're still alive. It's just we're, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with a little bit of technical issues and yep. welcome to, you know, the reality. Um Reliable internet connection. I know that this has been mentioned a lot because it is important. And the reason why it's important, you know, as a video uh, 
broadcaster, so, you know, live streamer, you have to have your upload bandwidth to be at least twice as your broadcast bitrate. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of ways to calculate that online. Nowadays, you can just go to like fast.com and figure out where your upload speed is. Mm -hmm. um, we do recommend, you know, going on a wired internet connection because Wi-Fi can be unstable. We know that, right? Mm -hmm. And I know those are like uh, very intro level knowledge points, but my but they're necessary. If Wi-Fi is your only option, then maybe move closer to the router, right? To have clear signal or close unnecessary web browsers and applications to free up some of the bandwidth and uh, like remove your kids from Netflix <laughs> if you're going <laughs> to go live, like I had to do, uh, or get a faster internet plan. And right now I know mm -hmm. where I'm at uh, in, in the neighborhood that I'm at. I'm at the like max level, but um, I'm looking forward to fiber. Mm -hmm. And then we're going into things like transcoding and multi- bitrate streaming and those again are a little bit of like a nerd talk but um it does matter especially when you're using a software like obs and vimex mm -hmm. you're gonna start to learn those terms really fast because you need to be able to adjust them and manipulate them in order to create uh, the quality stream that you're looking for and also enables that enables you to detect you know whatever the viewer's internet speed is and adjust it accordingly and uh, choosing the optimal resolution Again, going back to like a lot of things like right now when you do StreamYard, you don't have to worry about because you're like, everything is done for me. I'm just going to press live and it's fantastic. But if you're getting a little bit more into, again, that B2B production where you're using different softwares to support your event, mm -hmm. you're going to start to think about those things because they will help um, with your quality. And, you know, we're talking about choosing the perfect resolution and that sometimes requires a bit of a trade-off because naturally you want your best video resolution for your stream and you want your viewers to have this crystal view of your uh you know content however the highest resolution doesn't always equal to the best resolution when it comes mm -hmm. to live streaming because you want a resolution that provides you know clear image without being too big to mm -hmm. transmit with yeah. you know without lagging and professional live streamers you know they typically opt for the you know 720p 1080p uh we all dream of 4k but it's like let's see how that comes on the other side you know and then lastly test i mean test 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 if there's any other thing that i could say you know because streaming has so many moving parts testing is so important and having a pre-stream testing routine will save you a lot of headache is basically also half the battle, you know, um, like just take an example, if you were to stream um, onto a website and have this video embedded onto a website, make sure that that looks correctly, like that's embedded correctly. We were streaming onto a landing page uh, one time and, uh, and it was uh, streamed from YouTube. So YouTube was the CDN and the, Try not to swear, but the chat would not embed on that landing page for the life of it. And it was so frustrating. We actually had to change uh, CDNs, go to Vimeo. Vimeo mm -hmm. chat is much easier to embed onto a website. But if, if we would have not done that testing prior to going live, you know, we would have been like, losing a lot of uh, interaction and engagement from our audience because they're, you know, they would get an error. Like I'm trying to chat here with you guys, but you're like literally shutting the door in my face and it's not working. Right. So um, yeah, that's basically, you know, the, some of the things that I can think of, I'm sure uh, both of you can add way more to that, but that's from the top of my head right now. <laughs> Definitely. Go ahead, Mel. I think your mic actually went out. That's interesting. So um, uh, sorry about that. No, no worries. I, I was going to say, I know what I'm thinking. What I'm thinking is <laughs> screw all that. I'm just going to hire somebody to do this for me. If I need one of these like high end yeah. streams or mm -hmm. events. And you, you mentioned StreamYard, which is what I use. I know obviously Christian uses that when, because it does, it takes care of a lot of these things for you, but yeah. they're the beauty of the simplicity has limitations, right? So yep. you mm -hmm. get what you have and there's the beauty and the simplicity. But if someone is wanting <laughs> this different type of production, they're going to need a different platform. They're going to need to consider all these crazy things you just talked about that went way over my head. So I know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking when I get to that situation or if I'm in a corporate yeah. or a business, I'm not messing with that. I'm going to just hire somebody yeah. to do that. But, you know, Christian, I, I mean, what, I mean, I know, <laughs> I don't even know what that costs. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you know, I Anka, why don't you just touch on that? Like briefly, like a, what, how, what can somebody expect from a, from a budgeting standpoint on that. 
Yeah, and that's a fantastic question. And honestly, it so much depends on the project, on the event, on the client, on the role, right? Because we talked about many roles within this live streaming producer umbrella. And uh, if you're maybe the main producer or you're the assistant to someone else's stream, I mean, cost, you know, for just talking about bare, like ballpark numbers, it can vary greatly. I've seen from like, I'm not going to say $50 an hour because we had like, just before the stream, we were talking about having this conversation on social with someone that was like a true believer that they would never charge more than $50 an hour to produce a show. And we're like about to like, you know, like kill them off. Okay. Maybe I shouldn't say that live, but you know what I mean? It was like so frustrating. I'm like, how do you like produce someone someone's live stream and do not see the value that you are adding to that event so i've seen you know going uh cost varying from 75 dollars an hour to a thousand dollars an hour and it really depends on the project it depends on how much pre-production work you'll be doing. Sometimes, you know, when I budget for events, like if this is say a one-time live stream, I will have to take into account, I guess, again, how much work I'm doing prior to the event. Like I've done streams for uh, good friends, you know, for very little money because they have set everything up. And all I needed to do is again, come behind the scenes and press on this banner and press on this over third, a lower third or like whatever they had going on ticker you know and i mean that sure it, it does not take a whole lot of knowledge and brain power to do it but then i also have events that are like two, three days conferences virtual conferences with a lot of elements with a lot of uh, graphics a lot of content and there's a lot of pre-recording that needs to be done and there's a lot of elements that go into like where are we streaming and the stress of streaming into some of the platforms i'm like i gotta account for that too you know <laughs> So at that, at that point, you look at this, um, uh, you know, RFP that you put together and you're like, wow, this is a lot of money. But guess what? My time and what I'm bringing to the table is worth that. And I'm not going one dime under. And you have to take a position on that as well. And and uh, be aware, you know, like, what do you bring to the table and and not short yourself uh, and not sell yourself too short. You know, I feel like women, especially uh, live streamers. And I had this conversation with another live streamer, a, a great friend of mine. We sell ourselves a little too short because if we don't know 100% of what we're bringing to the table, we feel insecure uh, uh, and we feel like oh, we're not ready. Where take Christian is going to be like, hey, I'm going to go and do it, even if I only know like 15% of what this event needs, because I know I'm going to figure it out. And I'm not selling what I don't know, I'm selling what I know. And that's where we need to take a, you know, a page out of uh, the guys, live streamers uh, books and apply it. And it takes a little bit of confidence and you've got to, you know, work on that maybe. <laughs> yes, ma'am. That's right. I, d I dig it. And, you know, I want to just, I want to bring up this question actually from, uh, and, and let me find actually, it's from Coffee Talk and Tech, a friend of ours. Mm -hmm. You know, he talked about how he was asked to stream a state sporting event. And he could have made great money off of this, but he couldn't live up to the whole standard of like in his head, let alone the time involved. And, yeah. you know, as you mentioned, I mean, cost is super important. Um, thinking about like, you know, hiring a producer, for example. And then if you are, you know, if you already have a, even if it's 15%, you know, of like the skills you need, yeah. you know, it's also getting out of, out of your own head and saying, Hey, you know what? I can do this. Like yeah. being confident. And this is all about camera yep. confidence. It's all, it's all, yeah. it all factors in the same thing. It's about being confident at the skills that you have. Yeah. For example, you started, you know, doing live streaming by like running cables, things like that. Like I started, I literally got thrown into being a production assistant, you know, for very large conferences and like, but I was like a sponge and I was like, you know what, this yep. is actually a lot of fun learning about all these little, you know, facets yeah. of it. And then like over the, over time, like that's how like, you know, I've taken that, those skills and I'm now able to apply those to different things. For example, it doesn't matter if I'm just doing my own podcast or I'm putting on another live show, for example. It doesn't have to be a huge yeah. show. You know, it's getting out of your own head, I think, and just saying, hey, you know what Absolutely. I can do is lean on what you actually are good at. <laughs> Yeah. And absolutely. And going back to that time involved, you know, sometimes um, I would ask myself, what is this event worth to give a shit? <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. And then you attach 
whatever number it has to be, whatever time uh, it has to take to make that happen. If he, because if you don't care and you, um, you're not going to invest yourself, you know, into it, then why do it? You know, and maybe that works for some people. I don't know. Like I like to put heart into what I do and I put a lot of pressure and intensity. And sometimes that's a little too much for other, for some people. Right. But that's me. I mean, that's how I am. And that's how I operate. I don't go into it unless I'm 100% committed. And if I can give 100% of myself, then might as well go and do something else, you know, and I, you know, it will have to be uh, the battle in your mind that you have to win in the first place before you can even, you know, go out there and put yourself out there um, going on somebody else's experience. Uh, again, a friend of mine, she, her biggest challenge was charging more and she could not get herself to the point of charging what she was worth because in her mind she was always like doubting that she's mm -hmm. worth that much mm -hmm. that's not the client's problem that's your problem gonna have to solve it in the first place and get over that uh, mindset a hurdle before you can even get to tell them hey here's how much and the client you know when they receive the bill like okay fine sign off on it Mm -hmm. And she's like, I spent how many, you know, weeks, like literally like yeah. <laughs> terrified about just getting this out there in the first place, you know? Yeah. I, I think that there, there's a lot of mindset stuff when it comes to around, around, you know, whether you're a live stream producer or whether you're a coach or a consultant or anything, there's so much mm -hmm. mindset that goes into charging what you're worth. And I loved that you, I loved what you brought up about what's the event worth to your client if you're yep. producing it for them, right? Like yep. what, is, what is the outcome they're desiring to get? And, and sometimes that's a really great way to get that mindset into the right place, which is yeah. to create those valuations. So I love this. Now we have a lot of people that listen to this podcast and kind of tune into um, you know, this live show that are not a big company or a mm -hmm. B2B. They are you know, yeah. a solo live streamer, but they are up and coming or they are maybe wanting to add some extra kind of you know, pizzazz to their live streams and they need that support. Um, I know, for example, myself, I do a lot of solo streams. Yeah. Know, I'm not a big company. Um, I have guests and there are times that I'm like, gosh, I wish I had someone helping me. So can you, like, if somebody who is a solo live streamer, you know, they can, they can also find a live stream producer, but yeah. how would they go about finding someone and knowing what they need, if you will, you know, so could, do you mind just touching yeah. on that a little bit and helping some of our, our small people out there mm -hmm. that aren't in these big, big, big virtual events put, that they're putting on? Absolutely. And I absolutely as a, you know, solo streamer, you can certainly use, you know, the help of a, uh, another live stream producer. Again, that's where that assistant producer comes um, in, uh, in mind. And especially, you know, in my experience, because again, a lot of times I'm a solo, a live streamer, but then I also do a lot of events in which I need the support of um, other streamers, other assistants, or maybe other producers or other production houses and um, there's events that require that type of support because they have so many different elements and transitions and graphics and just aspects of the stream that truly really require more than just two hands, <laughs> you know, and um, I've, um, I've produced, for example, virtual conferences with concurrence sessions where you really need several other assistants to handle the other streams. And I've worked with assistants that Honestly, I found uh, by networking, by talking to other people, by following certain, you know, live streaming uh, threads and just talking um, with with people. And it's like, hey, I, I see that you're doing this. Like, hey, let's connect. Uh, I have at least three um streamers live streamers that i can call on tax like on a moment's notice knowing that they would support my events because i i never met them in person but i met them somewhere online and i've called on them when i needed support and um you know it, it does take a little bit of work because finding the right uh, operator the really good operator you know takes some a trial and error and i remember at some point it was mid-june uh this year and i was working on three concurrent events that week and it was just crazy and I needed to assign some of the duties to other people um, and uh, 
leading to that, I was just trying to find people, especially this was for VMAX operators. And it felt like everyone on that one day in June was busy working events. And, and then I reached out, I, I reached out to my network. I was like, okay, anybody that knows a really good VMAX operator, please let me know who that person is and give me their contact because I really need to uh, find them. And uh, I ended up uh, with a new list of about 10 different live streaming operators. And that was great. I didn't need all of them but now i have the list right so then when i run into that uh problem again into that uh, conundrum you know now i have uh, an opportunity i have someone to reach out to and uh so the same way if you are new and you know you just need some support um i would say just you know network and have a conversation uh reach out to someone you know via dm or email or linkedin messaging and say hey i've seen some pictures you posted i see you're doing some cool stuff like uh, let's let's have a quick chat. You know, how can we support each other? And I'm a big, big fan of like, how can we support each other? Because there's enough business to go around to make all of us happy. And uh, having that abundance mindset has only helped me. It has never put me in a position where I'm afraid, like, because I'm highlighting all these live streamers on my podcast. Now, all my clients are going to go to them. You know what? If they will go to them, I'm happy that I supported them and I support. I, I provided a platform for uh, my clients to uh, find someone that meets their needs. And um, I never felt like I'm losing because I'm promoting somebody else. And uh, and and that just means you know getting out there and having a conversation and reaching out to someone. If you see someone doing something cool, um, go out to them and tell them. Hey, obviously on social, you know or in person, who knows, and tell them, hey, I see you're doing some really cool things. Like I, uh, I'm really, you know, um, I'm really willing to, um, you know, learn some more, like tell me what also, you know, is um, that you're doing and how can we help each other? Um, I think this has been, again, for me, because I'm very relational in that sense, uh, has always uh, started with a conversation, like started with a, hey, uh, you look awesome and I want to know you. <laughs> can we talk? <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. This is, uh, this is, I gotta say, this is just great, uh, fantastic info. Actually. I just, I want to just sum up a couple of quick points and I got one more question for you. And this is like a softball question. It's like super easy. Okay. So, you know, I think the first thing I want to just drive home is that, you know, it's doing your research. There, there's a couple of takeaways here. One is doing your research. So for example, you know, if you're looking to get into being a live stream producer, for example, go and do your research on like what the cost might be. I'm looking at some of the comments and people are saying, Hey, you know what? Like they charge like $600 for like a full day event, for example, for just a couple of like some, what seems like really basic work. But again, you're tapping into somebody's expertise, you know? Yeah. So I think that's a key point. And then the other point I think I want to also make, and you mentioned this quite a few times, it's networking. So, yeah. you know, networking is super important. For example, if people want to, you know, learn more about like, you know, if maybe for example, maybe they're people that are just getting started and they like, they feel comfortable, for example, with Anka here, like go and network with Anka, for example, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. uh, follow, for example, the launch your live channel, follow, you know, yeah. your tree fan events, like channel. So go yeah. and follow and network those network with those people. Um, because here's the thing we all, and, and this is why I always ask that first question, how did you get started? For example, and yeah. it's because everybody started somewhere and there are certain times where people have gotten into their field and like they got into it do like doing exactly what it is they're doing today. For example, like they, they kind of, you know, they started doing some of the basic things like you mentioned, you know, running wires, for example, or putting on gaff tape, you know, or like, you know, Hey, I'm helping, you know, at simply I like, love gaff tape. <laughs> like so many little things that, you know, you can do to get your foot in the door to be a producer yeah. and then you work your way up. Yeah. You know, so for example, and also last, I, I think the other key takeaway was, um, don't like, don't, you got to get out of your own head sometimes with things and be confident in your skills, but don't oversell your skills as well. Like, okay, you know what, if you, uh, if you don't know of like some of the platforms you mentioned, for example, earlier, Anka, then maybe that person needs to start with some of those other, yeah. you know, positions and work their way up 
on the side learning those you know platforms and whatnot yeah and another thing that i would add to this like maybe more tied into that research phase that you're mentioning um you know a lot of um uh solo event producers like myself uh we uh we might have our um month full with events and then at one point we reach our limit having that networking done um, in advance and having that type of conversations, it would mean that right now I have a, a, a list, you know, five people on my mind that if I cannot do an event on this day, I will refer my client to that person. Mm-hmm. I already have the referral in place because I know that this person um, we talked about, we had a conversation. Mm-hmm. I trust, you know, their skills. I might not trust maybe 100% their skill level because I haven't seen their events, but yeah. enough to give a referral and say to my client, hey, I can do this. I'm booked like to mm-hmm. my teeth right now, but yeah. here's a couple of options for you. And this is what builds that, um, you know, uh, give um, referrals and then you'll see the return on that as well, because the same person might say the same thing to their client when they're booked to their teeth. And it's just, it's a two way street, you know, it's like, like everything in life, you know, um, if you're going to be um, um, bountiful out of your own resources, you'll see that come back, you know, multiplied. So definitely. Yeah. And so uh, that last question I had for you, by the way, was where can people get in touch with Anka Triffin? Where can they where's the best place? The best place is LinkedIn, uh, especially for business opportunities, just because I do um, connect with a lot of the um, my clients on LinkedIn. Okay. But then if you want to see the behind the scenes side of me, you know, uh, head on over to uh, Instagram. That's where my life happens. And in nice. Instagram stories, all the professional is on the post. And then behind <laughs> the scenes is like the wild side of Anka. Like sometimes people are like, are these two different people that I'm looking at? I'm like, no, it's the same person. But one is like the business side and the other one is like the fun side. Um, so yeah, um, Trifan underscore events uh, on Instagram, events demystify podcast on Instagram as well, which I'm trying to uh, grow, which has like three followers, but maybe you can be the fourth. So. Very cool. So we'll make sure we put those in the comments. Um, I just, I want to thank everyone who's been tuning in. I mean, it's been fantastic having you on Anka. Um, just a couple of quick notes, by the way, to everybody who's uh, watching or listening. Uh, this has been episode 82 of the Launcher Live uh, podcast and uh, live stream. And, and basically, you know, again, if you want to uh, learn more about this episode, for example, all you have to do is go to launcher.live slash EP82, that'll get you over to the YouTube video, the podcast episode as well. Um, but we will see you all on essentially a future episode. We're going to talk more about live streaming, you know, interview some more people, uh, talk about more topics as well to help you continue to level up your live streams. But with that, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Launch Your Live podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. Also, visit launchyour.live for more resources based on today's topic, as well as access to even more episodes that will help you level up your live videos. That's launchyour.live. So until next time, keep going live.